Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. In coal country, maybe some of you grew up in coal country, people get used to a certain amount of disastrous deaths from mine cave-ins, but more often gas release in tunnels, people dying of toxic fumes. It's a hazard of that profession. And you're probably aware that one of the ways that coal miners uh, for a long time have had to protect themselves from these toxic fumes is by taking a canary, a bird with them, into the coal mine. And if you walk into coal mines, there's always a canary in a cage sitting right there, just like that little canary there. And while working, the miners would keep one eye on the job and one eye on the canary. And the reason for the canary bird is that a canary specifically is more sensitive than human beings to the toxic gases specifically associated with coal. So the idea was, when the canary dies, and a lot of canaries have died over the years because they're more sensitive to these gases, when the canary dies, the miners evacuate the mine because that was a sign that toxic fumes were present and they would prove deadly very soon. So let's think about this for a second. While the canary is in the process of dying, these miners are in great danger, but they don't know it yet. Their bodies are susceptible to these same toxic fumes and are starting to succumb. But since their bodies aren't susceptible, they don't know that they're in grave danger at that moment. So the canary served as an early warning system. When the canary sings, we work. When the canary is silent, we evacuate. We, we make a drastic change. Things look good, things are okay, but they're not. And, and this morning, I want to ask the question, if there's something like that for those who follow Jesus? Some of you are seeking to follow Jesus. Most of us worshiping with Lake Forest today here live at 1021 a.m. on Sunday. Most of us are followers of Jesus as disciples. And is there a canary that we can look at, that if it's singing, we can trust that we're in a healthy, growing place spiritually, and if it's silent, we're not, and we need to make a change. And this is week two of our series, Act Like a Christian. Uh, from the first two chapters, we use the word act in part because it's the first, we want you to remember, these are the first two chapters of the book of Acts, and they really set up the rest of the New Testament. They are the foundation of it historically. And week one, last week in chapter one of Acts, gave us Jesus' animating vision that can enliven your life and mine. I, I hope you'll listen to that if you missed it. In fact, I have with me on my little ta- table here my one more person card. Last Sunday, at the end of the service, everybody took out a, a piece of paper at home and a pen, and you wrote down a name of someone you are preferring as your one more person that you'll invest an inordinate amount of love, care, hangout time in that person, somebody who's given up on church but not on God. Uh, that was chapter one of Acts. Uh, today, Acts chapter two, I want to give you four canaries that if they're singing, uh, four singing canaries in today's message. You ever had canaries before as sermon points? Me neither. But I thought it'd be kind of fun. 
Four canaries. If these four canaries are singing, you are growing as a disciple and a follower of Jesus, okay? If these four canaries are silent in your life, you might feel okay, you might look okay, you might be a cool dude, cool cat, but something is wrong, and you are not growing as a disciple. And consequently, spiritual illness is creeping up in your spiritual system and moving towards spiritual crepitude, if not toxicity, if one or all of these canaries are silent. So in your Bible, your Bible app, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Maria just read uh, uh, the whole context of the chapter, uh, and this is the first church, the very first gathering and community of Jesus followers, the first weeks of the church, and it gives us at least four canaries to gauge our growth as disciples by. I'm going to reread a portion of this passage starting with verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Now, the book of Acts is so interesting to me because we have the history. We like the very first weeks of the church, as Maria read earlier, as this happened. On the day of Pentecost, she read, Peter the apostle stands up. Peter. Peter, the big mouth disciple of Jesus, opens his big mouth, and the Holy Spirit uses him to proclaim powerfully about Jesus. He preaches this sermon, and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus. They joined Jesus' movement of love that has been growing ever since, is now is in the billions. Wow, you're part of that. How do you account for that kind of growth? Like 3,000 that one day. Well, the book of Acts tells us why that happened. It was because the Holy Spirit supernaturally enlivened Peter's preaching in the hearer's ear. Many of you have had this experience when the Holy Spirit first touched you with a touch of understanding, faith, and grace. And so through Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit woke people up to go like, yes, there's a God who made me and loves me. And yes, the Holy Spirit has convicted me that I am a sinner, that all people are sinners. We cannot approach God and be in relationship with God based on our good deeds because we fall short from God. Most of us understand falling short from God through through the personal experience of shame even. That may be the word that the Holy Spirit uses for you. Uh, But Then Peter's sermon showed them, no, 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 but we focus and God focuses on the beauty of Jesus Christ. He is both Lord God and he's Savior God. He he takes away sin. He takes away shame and death. He gives us abundant life now. He gives us a new identity as a beloved child of God in whom God is well pleased forever because of Christ in us. And he gives us assurance of the kingdom of God forever. And as we heard it earlier, When Peter finished this sermon, it says, quote, they were cut to the heart. They realized in Jesus, I can find forgiveness. 
in Jesus, my shame can be taken away and banished. And I realized that in him is life. And it says that they responded in repentance and faith. That's how they became Christians. That's how anybody comes to faith in Jesus Christ. That's how many of us have experienced this. But then, the verses I just reread for you, verses 41 through 47, show us the signs of what it looks like to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ after being cut to the heart. Or in the words of this miniseries, Acts 2 shows us how to act like a Christian. And these actions today, four of them are canaries that are either singing or silent in my life and yours. And these canaries, we've talked about them before, are a, a, a grid through which to run your discipleship in any season of your life. Am I growing in singing, or are these canaries singing in my life? And so these canaries sang a sweet song in the life of the first church here in verses 41 to 47. I want them to sing a sweet song in your life in my life as a disciple who's growing. So here's my question. Are these four canaries singing or silent in your life? It's a question. It's a yes or a no today. I don't want you to fake yourself out. I'm going to think about it. I don't know. I mean, how do you know? You know. Answer the question yes or no to each one of them. Now, I want you to remember something. This wasn't a perfect church. (laughs) This first church had hypocrites. It had greedy people. They weren't perfect people. The teaching wasn't always amazing or astounding. But there were actions recorded by them that were habitual and led to each of their growth as a disciple of Jesus and led to spiritual power in their midst that changed the world. And if we want the power of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives, I want my life to have and be a touch of the divine, and I know you do. If we want that, we need to act like they did. And as we go through this, if one of these canaries used to sing sweet melodies in your life, but you've neglected them or they've grown grown weak, let's let this passage, this word of God, remind us today. Maybe even cut us to the heart a bit and start acting like a Christian today as a way to grow spiritually and find the life that is a full cup filled with, as Jesus says, living water that even overflows and splashes onto other people. It's the water of life. Bible scholars, everyday Bible teachers like me, we have broken down the succinct Polaroid snapshot of the first disciples of Jesus in many different ways through the years. I'm going to break it down as four, four canaries to help you and me today. And here's the first one. It says they gathered in worship And when they gathered in worship, both in the temple courts in a big group and then in smaller groups in their homes, the content was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I'm going to call this canary number one, discover. You see a little canary bird, isn't it cute? Discover God through weekly worship and personal encounter with God's word alone and with others. Now, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's the content. Who were the apostles? The apostles were men and at least one woman we know of, mentioned in Romans chapter 16, who had seen the resurrected Christ and were proclaimers, witnesses to him in an authoritative manner. In 1 Corinthians, we're told that Jesus, after he was resurrected, uh, he appeared to Peter and the twelve and then to more than 500 of his disciples. This is one of the great authenticators of Christianity. Jesus didn't just appear to like one person who came out 
and said, hey, don't look behind that curtain, but I just saw Jesus risen from the dead. It was over 500 eyewitnesses who spread the good news as such. And the apostles were the ones also specifically commissioned by Jesus to record his words, his life, and the meaning of it all. And the 12 in particular that we most commonly refer to as the apostles were trained by him. They saw his life. And the early church recognized these these preserve the truth about Jesus Christ. And their teachings and those who were schooled under them had the recognition of being apostolic teachings. And eventually they were compiled around the end of the first century. And that's our New Testament today. And this is what? In that first church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And today we say this is God's word in the Old and New Testament. Uh, how did people know that these men at this point, the first 12, were apostles and spoke authoritatively of Jesus? Well, verse 43 said, everybody was filled with awe and many signs and miraculous wonders were done by the apostles. These weren't magic tricks like at your kid's birthday party. Hey, look, I got your nose, Junior. Uh, this wasn't that. These were heal the lame, raise the dead kind of miracles as signs that God's spirit was with them and their message was the true message of Jesus. Why? So that the disciples down to today, we would devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching because in God's word is life and truth and how the world is. So the first canary, it's either singing or it's silent in your life is as a disciple of Jesus, we see the, the, the word, the biblical teaching handed down from the apostles as the very word of God. And a disciple submits our thoughts, our beliefs, our ethics, our words, our behavior, including in the political arena, to the word of God by constantly devoting ourselves to studying the apostles' teaching in weekly worship like we're doing right now. Hey, good job. That canary is singing right now, and he looks kind of like me as I'm teaching God's Word. But they also do it with, by personal encounter with God's Word on your own. And we teach people how to do that here at Lake Forest and in groups of people. Like my community group is meeting tonight. We'll be looking into the apostles' teaching together. They hungered for God's Word. Acts 2 says they met daily to get into the apostles' teaching. Like, nobody was guilting them into coming to a Bible study. Well, man, I mean, again, preacher said, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. Nobody guilty. They, like, they were hungry for God's word, which is reality and a channel of God's power in our life that only Jesus can give. The scriptures are not God, but in worship, in groups, and alone, the Bible is the primary place God speaks to us. How about you? Is that canary singing? Is it singing loud? Is it really faint? Is it non-existence? It's been easy in the shutdown to get out of all normal rhythm. This is your most important foundational rhythm for God to speak to you. We all want and need a word from God in our lives. This is the foundational singing canary for a disciple to grow. I know a bunch of remixers are. They're like 80. You guys should know this. They're like 60 to 80. I forget which number. Fourth and fifth graders at Lake Forest meeting in small groups on Zoom of five with a leader, learning God's word every week at Lake Forest. Dude, that makes me so happy. I want to hear another story. Jeff Cook, come on up here. Come on up here. Instead of me talking about an example, can you give us an example of a Lake Forest person who this canary of being devoted to God's word is singing? 
beautifully in their life. Absolutely. Uh, so first, I just have to kind of, the way that I think about this, the way that I talk about this um, is to study God's word. Look, that process, that's intimidating for some people, right? Like I'm a nerd. I get into it. I enjoy it. But for some people, the process he really, is. He really is. He's really, a total nerd. I really, I'm a nerd yeah. and a meathead at the same that's, time. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but for some people, that's just not true. And the way that I describe the experience of studying God's word, like it is God revealing who he is. Right? So, so think about the first sleepover with your best friend when you're a kid. It's 2 a.m. You're sugared up. You're laying in the dark talking <laughs> about everything. You're discovering yeah. who that person is. And, yeah. and studying God's word allows us to discover who this God we love is. Yeah. But like I said, the process can be daunting. Uh, I was actually talking to my buddy Kevin Reyes about this the other day. And, and one of the things he did that worked for him is he joined a Bible study. Okay. Because there was something about the commitment. Kevin Reyes, man, he's not a nerd like you. No. He's like he's a cool way guy cooler too. than okay. me. Um, but he, the, the commitment of seeing other men week in and week out that he was committed to be there really helped him to be diligent and consistent. And over time, even though the process might be already starts to experience the benefit, right? Because the benefit's the same for everybody. Yeah. We get to know more of this God that we love. And so over time, circumstances flip around. He ends up facilitating the Bible study. So now because super he's... Super cool. That's super... And he's a manly man. He works in NASCAR. Yes, he does. Uh, but so because he's facilitating, now he's spending more time at home because he's preparing huh. to be able to facilitate the Bible study. And, and it leads him on this very natural progression to the point where three weeks ago on a Tuesday morning at 6.49 a.m., I get a text message from Kevin Reyes asking me my opinion about 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. Like, he's just curious at 6.49 on a Tuesday morning what that passage means. That's proof that that actually happened. See, we don't always just make up our preacher stories. This right. is real. But, but the reason that he cared, the reason he got to a point where he could engage it that way is because he realized the benefit in it was to know this God that he loved in a deeper way. Yeah. And I just, I think that's incredible. That's a beautiful example of the first canary of how a disciple grows, singing sweetly in Kevin's life. Thank you for that, you. Jeff. I really Thanks. appreciate that example. Is this canary singing or silent in your life? It either is or isn't. And we, many of us have fallen out of rhythms, okay? I, I got a text from one of our staff members this week going, my gosh, I'm about to be a working person with a full-time job and at home moderating my kids going to school online, and they can't play their sports, this feels sort of devastating. I've really fallen out of my habit of being in God's Word daily during the pandemic. I have got to get back in God's Word. We, that's the kind of hunger. That, that, we let's let that drive us to be in God's Word. Because if we're not, then our life is founded on whatever else input we're getting, which for many of us is a whole lot of news and social media. And that's a trifling, a, a human spirit will waste away. It will be filled with toxicity or triviality if we're not filling it with, with the, the milk and the meat of God's word. So, singing or silent, one or the other. What's the second canary? What's the second canary? I know you're wondering. Canary number two, belong with others 
in a consistent Christ-centered small group, you're like, oh, I see. This is like the Lake Forest strategy for spiritual growth. It comes out of Acts chapter 2. And this is number two, number two, canary. Belong with others in a Christ-centered small group. Because see, Acts chapter 2, you saw it right there. It's in your Bible app right there. Plain day, black and white, or whatever color you turned on this morning. The early believers also devoted themselves, and I quote, to fellowship. That's like our old school word of it. They realized that Jesus' call on their lives was not just a relationship with him personally. We're too often to think that uh, mistaken in Protestant American Christianity. I just need Jesus, my Bible, and me. I don't need other people. In fact, when it turns into a group and a group turns into a church, that gets messed up and it's an institution and that's organized religion and that's messed up. Just Jesus and me. That right there is the heretical flowering of what can also be a virtue, but in this case, it becomes heretical for Christians of this rugged American individualism taken too far spiritually. Jesus' call as evidenced by the acts you remember in what book of the Bible we're in, right? The actions of the first Christians was a call to do life together and committed relationship with other disciples with the purpose of growing as disciples. God's word calls us, the New Testament's full of like, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, carry one another's burdens. You can't do that if it's just Jesus and me and my Bible. I'm carrying my Bible's burdens, right? It, it takes others. And the first church in Jerusalem was a church of 3,000 people. You can't have that kind of relationship with everybody. And so they would all get together at the temple, but then in homes throughout the city. That's about the same size as the Lake Forest family of churches today. Kind of cool. You can't have a relationship, do the one another's with everybody in the church. But small home-based groups are what the, how the first Christians acted in devotion to fellowship with one another. And it specifically says it was around a table. It included food. We're going to have barbecue at my community group tonight. Pretty pumped. And that's where you and I are called to practice the one another's in Christ-centered community. Verse 46, look at that. It says that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Is this second canary singing or silent in your life? Ah, maybe it used to be. Is it singing or silent? And it can look different for different people. It certainly looks different in a pandemic, but small groups are thriving here at Lake Forest. In this pandemic, if you aren't in one or your group fell off the map, that happens sometimes. Maybe your leader had some struggles or other priorities. We'll help you find one in the next month. Hey, oh, hey, hey, Kelly Olmstead is here. And Kelly, can you give us an example of somebody at Lake Forest where you see the canary of discipleship really singing loudly of being devoted to belong with others in community? So other than all the hugs and baby snuggles, the biggest reason people sign up to serve in children's ministry is to help kids develop their own authentic faith. And when you think of Katropolis, you would think the biggest purpose is, well, kids. But I could share story after story of leaders who have found their home through serving. This story of belonging looks a little different, though. Imagine when you sign up to serve in a ministry and then it doesn't quite go exactly how you had hoped. This story is about one leader's faithfulness and, and how a family found their home. Years ago, we had a new family come to Lake Forest 
and they dropped off their son in Katropolis, and the leader began the process of trying to connect the little boy to uh, other kids and start to form a, a relationship with him. This went on for weeks and weeks with absolutely no results. It was hard, uh, really hard. So hard, in fact, I met with the leader a couple of times because they really thought it was them. Um, they had to be the problem and there was probably someone else who could do a better job. Fast forward a few months later, this Sunday began like every other Sunday with the leader in their car praying for strength and some kind of connection. And although this Sunday started the same, it ended quite differently. This week, for the first time, the parents struck, struck up a conversation with the leader. They began to pour their heart out about their painful journey of how they ended up at Lake Forest. They had been uh, to a couple other churches, and the conversation would always go something like this. We are so sorry, but we just cannot manage your son's behavior. We're going to have to ask that you not come back. It was with tears in the mom's eyes that she expressed her gratitude to the leader for just being a safe place for her son to be seen and loved. And what a gift it was that they could worship without worry. I wish I could wrap this story up in a nice, neat bow and tell you that the leader and the little boy became the best of friends, but <laughs> that's just not how the story went. Um, it's actually not even about the little boy. This story of belonging was for the parents to have a place to develop their authentic faith. And what I actually, what I really love about it is how God can use the messiest and the hardest parts of our life and our ministry to help someone else find their uh, place and their purpose. Kelly, thank you for selecting to tell that story because that's a great example. Again, you're either, your canary is singing or it's silent regarding being a part of regular committed, that was committed Christian Christ-centered community. And that's a great example, and many of you have leaned into Christian community here at Lake Forest even more these last six months, and I'm proud of you for that, and I hope you're finding life there. <laughs> but your story points out something that's for sure. There were 3,000 people in this first church meeting in homes, regularly breaking bread together. They did not devote themselves to fellowship with one another and act like a Christian just because it was never messy in that church. <laughs> it was easy. There was nobody with an obnoxious personality out of all those 3,000 people in any one of those groups. And they didn't keep stay devoted just because everybody always remembered to check up on them and see how they were doing. They, 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 because babysitting wasn't a challenge. Uh, and they all fit together perfectly. And every group worked perfect. And no one ever had to find a second group because the first one didn't take. That just happens sometimes. But uh, it, it was messy. And community here is messy. But it's the action of a growing disciple of Jesus, and it's the manner, the second canary in which God grows us up as a believer. So, friends, um, if you're not in a com regular committed uh, community, and you're at home, or, or you're here, take out your phone right now. If you're at home, I can't even see you, so it won't look like you're spacing out and going on Facebook. Email us right now off the website, and we will help you connect into an imperfect group where you can grow as a disciple in this way, because it's necessary.
Is this canary singing or silent? If it's silent, email us right now. It's how to act like a Christian. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, so these two things, now, if we're dev- uh, devoted to God's Word and we're devoted to Christ-centered community, Mike Hall, would you come up with me and let's talk about this next one, which is canary number three. This bursts out, and now I'm sharing my time, talents, and treasure in my church to serve others' growth in discipleship. Um, Acts 2.45 said one of the actions of these first disciples of Jesus is they were very generous with their money and their sacrificial use of time to serve one another. It it says they even began selling their property and possessions. Did you see that? Did it flip you out a little bit? That's radical. The, The way of Jesus is radical, friends. It's not safe if we actually live it. And they were sharing with them as any might have need. It's not a biblical command for socialism as a system of governments, but it means they prioritize generosity and sharing of what they had toward God's mission and God's people with their assets, their resources. And the canary was singing, doing life together in small groups. So they knew what people's needs were, and they did something about it to help other people survive and then thrive as disciples of Jesus. Is this canary singing or silent in your life? You kind of Some of us have to be creative to find a way to share to help others grow spiritually in this season of life. Um, And so, and if I'm not sharing myself to serve another people in my church somehow or through my church to help other people grow, then part of my spirit is atrophying or asphyxiating. My call, would you give us an example of a ministry partner sharing their time, their talents, or their treasure, and, and the result is spiritual growth in their church? Well, I will say that we had a 10th grader this past year actually approached me right before Christmas and said, you know what, uh, the camp experience that I went to last year was so meaningful for me, I want to ask my parents to not give me any presents this year, but actually just give me the money they would spend on those presents, and I want to pay for someone to go to camp. And that happened. Super generous. That was amazing. That's what a disciple does. That's just the yeah. actions. That's what, how we act like a Christian. Yeah. Well, I will say <clears throat> within... Uh, Remix specifically, we have high school age teenagers serving as leaders for middle schoolers while they're getting discipled themselves by their Remix leaders that are serving the high schoolers. So it's, it's just really neat how it's like trickle down discipleship. But if you ain't given your time, talent, and treasure, you are missing a critical component of acting like a Christian. If you're not, if you're stingy, Mm-mm. It's one of the main places the Spirit of God shows up in power in our life. It is sure when does. When we start to serve. Yeah, when we get generous with our time, uh, when we get generous with our talents, treasures. I wanted to show you something real quick. So picture a pond, Mike. That's a nice looking pond, isn't it? Beautiful. So picture a pond. So if this pond has no Hev- water. Heavily chlorinated, go ahead. <laughs> if, if it has no water flowing in and no water flowing out, what happens to that pond? Stagnant. Stagnant. Yeah. Is it healthy? No. Nope. So let's assume that this pond just has water flowing in. So this is a Christian having time, talent, treasure from other Christians invested in them. Refreshing. So what happens? Living water. But it overflows. That thing, that becomes a flood zone. Okay. If it has nothing going out. Okay. So picture one with just going out, nothing coming in. Now what do we got? Empty Christian. It dries up. Yeah. Yep. And then picture one with water flowing in, water flowing out. That is the healthiest pond, 
And that is the healthiest follower of Jesus. Super cool. Yeah, so we have opportunities at the church, so many opportunities. We have like, I don't know, 40 high schoolers and middle schoolers serving as Katropolis heroes. We've got nine high schoolers serving as middle school leaders. One of them just left because uh, they go and help Jeff Hathcock with Barstool Church. Um, but yeah, super awesome. There's your model. You want to live your fullest, most complete, act like a Christian life. There's your model right here. Flowing in, flowing out. Thank you for that, Mike. And, and the church is, is us. It's you and me. And so it doesn't have to all be organized stuff through Lake Forest. That's super important to serve mm-hmm. through our church. But I know many of you do this in, in other ways. But this is how God then grows us as a disciple and we interact dynamically with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're um, uh, so canary number four, number four, the final one. This is it is go on the mission of God as Christ's witness near or far to people like me or not like me, to those hungry for God or hungry for food. We're told in verse 47, this is textual, friends. We're not making this up. In verse 47, that as they praised God in these actions of a Christian, discovering God's word for their lives, belonging in Christ-centered community that really cared for each other authentically, and then sharing generously with those in the church so they grow, not just a pastor caring for a parishioner, but, but people caring for one another. That's the church. As they did this, they enjoyed the favor of all the people, it said, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, who were waking up to Jesus. Now, now th- that church had its people, they had their enemies, people who opposed Jesus and their message, but their worship, their community, their serving was so authentic and real power of the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, the people said, I want that. So obviously, a disciple of Jesus sings like a canary in these ways, externally focused too, or openly, in front of people who are hungry for God and acts of proclamation and mission. And so, as we say, we're here to always be going on the mission of God as Jesus witnessed Near or far, to people like me or not like me, to those hungry for God, hungry for food. Hey, Maria Furlow is back up here. Hello. Thank you for reading scripture earlier. Yeah. Would you give us an example of a disciple of Jesus at Lake Forest who's grown spiritually because they acted like a Christian mm-hmm. and went on mission? Yes, I would love to. I'm going to tell the story this morning of Angela Wilkinson. And it was about four years ago that she was sitting in worship service. And it was the point in the service where we're doing announcements and we talk about this is a coming opportunity. And I don't know if you're like me. I think we've all had that moment where there's like this tiny nudge of like, maybe that's something I should do. And that was the Sunday where we were talking about short-term trips coming up. Okay. And so when you have short-term mission trips, yes, where we go to uh, that year, we were going to Long Island, Bahamas, and Honduras. And so there's that moment where you get that nudge and you can be like, I don't, that's probably insignificant. I'm not going to listen. Or like Angela, you can kind of follow that nudge and see where that takes you. And for her, that started her journey. And she went on a short-term missions trip to Long Island, Bahamas to serve with our partner missionaries there, the Caribbean Youth Network. And I saw God start something in her there in three different ways. First of all, uh, the community that you build when you're sweating through clothes with people and, you know, day in and day out serving with them, that stays, 
right? And then you're able to continue to spur one another on. Um, Angela, before that trip, had not really ever dug into the Word of God or really never came alive to her. It wasn't a practice for her. And so during that trip, God really opened her eyes to that, and she just began a passion for reading God's Word. And then the third one, which is one of the biggest ones that continued on for her through the years, is, you know, God is so good and powerful. We think we're going on a missions trip to help other people, um, but really God opens us up to what he wants to do in us. And so getting out of our American bubble, right, and meeting people from different cultures and backgrounds that God has created differently than you, and that is a passion that stuck with Angela. And so the next year, Angela went to Long Island, brought her daughter, and then the year after that, Angela was the Bible teacher at the camp. Wow. in Long Island, and she also led the team. And then the year after that, which was this year, Angela is a nutritionist by trade. She has a nutrition company in Charlotte. That's what she does vocationally. God took her on a missions trip to Nicaragua, and she is using her nutritional vocation now to serve a school that's going to get started there, and she's going to be kind of like their liaison to help them grow their own food and, um, you know, just have good nutritional education for them. All started on the mission strip. What a beautiful singing canary mm -hmm. uh, of an action of a disciple. And Maria, you're reminding us here, this is not something God wants from us to act like a Christian, to discover, belong, share, and go. This is his grace to us. This is the GPS coordinates where the spiritual growth that we long for, where actual divine power, we see it at work in our life. This is where it's found when we act like those first Christians and we act like disciples today. And what a beautiful flowering in her life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know one Missio Day that we're snapping on here at Lake Forest together, and this is going to be over a number of years together, is frankly a new mission to travel together in, in Jesus' name toward being people who bring a greater degree of racial healing, understanding, reconciliation, and justice in our towns and in our nation. We're going to be on that mission of God together for some time. Maria, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to stand up. You ready? There we go. Um, hey, just a simple question. Uh, let me put this on screen. Which of these four canaries <laughs> have gone silent in your life? How is the Holy Spirit prompting you to grow in that area of discipleship? How will you reach out or make a change like this week? This is a way, an actual way to grab hold of the grace of God and have him downloaded into your life through these four actions or canaries of a disciple. So I'm going to pray this over you. Would you stand where you are in, in your room and here in this room? Holy Spirit, we're asking you right now, speak to each one of us, your servants. We love you, God, our Father and Creator. We love you and we follow you, Jesus, our Lord and our leader, our friend and our brother. And God, the Holy Spirit, speak to us this moment where we will not let this part of spiritual growth be silent in our life anymore because we want to grow. We don't want toxicity in our spirit. We want the fresh air and a beautiful melody coming out of us that points people to you. 
Help us to take that action that you're speaking to us, Holy Spirit, because you are speaking to us right now. And friends, let's take a moment and we're going to pray. Would you pray with me for Steve Kinsler, one of our ministry partners? He's in the ICU downtown right now on a ventilator. His life is in danger of his lungs filling up due to COVID-19, which he caught at his workplace here at Exit 23. Heavenly Father, help us to be responsible and hip to the fact that this silent virus is here. It's, it's right here, right here on Gilead Road. Help us to be responsible, take responsibility for others' health. But today we plead for the life of your servant, Steve Kinsler. We pray that you would heal his wife, who is also suffering symptoms while she's at home caring for their child. Dear God, Use the attention of the medical professionals. Use the treatments, the therapies, the ventilator to restore this man to full health. We ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.